Welcome to the Homesteaders of America podcast, where we encourage simple living, hard work, natural health care, real food, and building an agrarian society. If you're pioneering your way through modern noise and conveniences, and you're an advocate for living a more sustainable and quiet life, this podcast is for you. Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm your host, Amy Fuel, and I'm the founder of the Homesteaders of America organization and annual events. If you're not familiar with us, we are a resource for homesteading education and online support, and we even host a couple of in-person events each year, with our biggest annual event happening right outside the nation's capital here in Virginia every October. Check us out online at homesteadersofamerica.com, follow us on all of our social media platforms, and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can be the first to know about all things HOA, that's short for Homesteaders of America. Don't forget that we have an online membership that gives you access to thousands, yes, literally thousands of hours worth of information and videos. It also gets you discount codes, an HOA decal sticker when you sign up, and access to event tickets before anyone else. All right, let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Homesteaders of America podcast. This week, I have the notorious Jill Winger with me. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast, Jill. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me on. This was a hard one to schedule with you and I schedule. Like we really had to work at this, but we did it and I'm proud of us. So (laughs) here we are. We did. I, right. I'm proud of us. I said this to a friend the other day. I'm like, I don't know. It seems like, like I've canceled three times. She's canceled three times. It's like, I understand because we're very busy homesteaders, right? Yeah. Like every time, you know, normally I can keep the stuff on my calendar in place, but like every single time it'd be like a non-negotiable. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't make it. I'm like, it's always Amy. Like it's always Amy for some reason that I cannot make it. So thank you for your patience. Oh, well, thank you for your patience. Mine was always like it was cloudy and the internet didn't work. So I didn't even have a very good reason. (laughs) That totally happens to me sometimes. 100%. Yeah, it's great. Okay. So before we get really into conversation, I have a hard time believing there are people who don't know who Jill Winger are, but I, you know, I have a hard time believing people don't know who Jules Salatin is either. And people still don't know who he is. So why don't you tell our podcast audience all about yourself? Yeah. So I think I'm best known as one of the uh, original homestead bloggers from back in the day. Uh, The Prairie Homestead is where it all started for me. And I've been homesteading um, here in Wyoming ever since 2008 and just been sharing my story. So I now have podcasts and books and all sorts of things, but I just really love teaching old fashioned skills and even more so recently, just helping people think bigger and ask questions of our modern world. And sometimes that leads them down the homesteading path. Sometimes it leads them towards more unconventional things, different unconventional things, but I just love help helping to inspire those conversations. Yeah. And so I follow Jill... I mean, we probably started homesteading around the same time, but I didn't really get into the homesteading world necessarily for a few years later. And so Jill is the OG homesteader. So, so many of you, grandma, basically the the homestead grandma at this point. (laughs) That's good. I mean, we, we call lots of people different names. Thank you for stewarding this community because it wouldn't be the same without you. Right. So Jill has a ton of stuff on our website, like canning courses and you can buy our books and products and all kinds of things. So we'll link all that below so you can actually check her out. We won't take up your time too much talking about all of those on this podcast, but Jill is also really well known for me, which is one of the reasons I like following Jill for being just bluntly honest 
and especially when it comes to farming and homesteading. And so we're going to kind of unpackage that a little bit today. And Jill also has a new book that's, is it already out? I've gotten my copy, but that doesn't mean it's already out yet. Yes. Okay. Uh, it'll be September 26th. So I'm not sure when this airs, but it'll be, yeah, end of okay. September 2023. So right around that time. So Jill, one of the things that you're really known for is busting up those homestead stereotypes. You know, not every homestead has to look the same. Not every homesteader has to be poor. I wonder if you could talk to that just a little bit. Like your experience in homesteading, obviously your homestead doesn't look exactly like everybody else's, but then it may. Like there are some homesteaders who do it the way you do. So maybe just unravel a little bit where you are because not everybody knows your location, how that differs and then how you like to break out those stereotypes and break people out of that mold so they can trailblaze their own path. Yeah, it's such a funny dynamic because, you know, I, I'm, I've always been a little bit of a rebel. I've always steered more towards the unconventional path. And, and I think that's why homesteading was so attractive to me back in the day. I, I mean, I started as, a, as you did before it was even a term, really. If you said I homestead, mm-hmm. people would be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like no mm-hmm. clue. And so I loved it for that reason. I loved it that people are like, you are making yogurt. Are like, what is wrong with you? Like, why are you canning? No one does that. <laughs> I loved being <laughs> at the beginning. And so, you know, we, yeah. we come to homesteading for this unconventionalness, but it's fascinating to me how quickly, even within a movement like homesteading, we start to organize ourselves into tribes and packs of, you know, you have to do it this way. We make all these rules. You have to look like this. You have to dress like this. Your homestead mm-hmm. has to be like this. And so as I've watched the, the movement mature, which has been wonderful, I've also been like, come on, guys, like you forgot why we joined this in the first place, because now you're creating right. a whole set of rules and stipulations that you have to check off before you can call yourself a homesteader. And I just really push back against that um, because I feel like that is preventing people from taking first steps and from getting into this lifestyle and having it ultimately change their life. So our homestead, I, I even, even within the movement, I love to still be the oddball. Um, I love that we homestead in Wyoming. A lot of homesteaders are back East. The, the climate where, you know, back there is so much easier and more temperate. And I think that's fantastic. And everyone's like, why do you live out in Wyoming? It's a horrible place to homestead. And I'm like, well, kind of, but I like being the Wyoming homesteader. Like I'm okay being the outlier. Our homestead is a little more ranchy than the traditional farmy homestead. And it's really changed a lot over the years. When we first got it, it was really sad and really pathetic. And it was a a major fixer upper, like not a, not a cute, charming (laughs) fixer upper with good bones. Like just a bad fixer upper, like nothing charming, no good bones, like not much to work with. And so over the years it's changed, but it doesn't necessarily have the same aesthetic, like with the big red barns or the perfect white farmhouse that a lot of people think of when they think of homestead. And I'm okay with that. Another thing I push back on a lot, which sometimes gets me in trouble is clothing for homesteaders. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like that's been such a thing. Like when we first, like when I first started sharing it online. That was not a thing. Like all of us homestead bloggers 10 years ago were like, it's like stained t-shirts and hoodies and your barn clothes. Mm -hmm. And now to share homesteading online, like there's this pressure, you have to wear white linen dresses and aprons and fluffy ruffles and lace. And I'm just like, what is happening? Like, I do not, I do not dress like that. I don't dress like that for photos. I don't dress like that in real life. And, and I don't know. It's nothing, there's nothing wrong with doing any of those things with having a white farmhouse or a big red barn or wearing a lace dress to pick your pickles or pick your cucumbers out in the garden. But I just don't want people to think that that is, that's, has to be that way. Cause it's not, it's not normal. normal. (laughs) No. 
It's not normal. And that's what I love about you because I think we need more of that in the homesteading world because I went, okay, when I have dresses, I like to keep my dresses clean. And so when I think like, I do have some homestead type dresses that I can get yeah. dirty that are just convenient, but I don't know. I, I agree. Some, I, you did a video in time. Do you still have it up? Please tell me you didn't take it down. I, I'm, I haven't taken anything down, <laughs> even okay. my controversial stuff. So it's just yeah, you did a video in time about going out and milking your cow in this puffy dress and apron oh, yes. and all that. And I just love that because, you know, like you said, those things are wonderful. Those things are awesome. You can do those things if you want to, but it's not the epitome of a homesteader. It is not necessarily what all homesteaders is. I mean, most of us look like we just got up and walked out of, you know, a trailer in the morning because we've got stuff to yes. do and we're yes. moms or we're doing various different things and we've got ketchup on our shirt and all kinds of other stuff. So I love that you do that on your social media. And yes, it does get you in trouble. Sometimes I sit back and just, you know, with yes. my popcorn and watch the comments <laughs> yeah. and it's great. Yeah. Um, and it's not controversial. It's just, it's breaking down the walls of tradition basically is what it is because so quickly we think going back to a way of life like this is traditional and it is, but we don't have to look like we stepped out of the 1800s either. Yeah. So yeah, I love that you do that. So one other thing that you do talk about that can sometimes be controversial, and we have briefly talked about this in passing or, or whatnot, is the money mindset in the homestead community. Like there, mm -hmm. there are a lot of different mindsets that you have to be poor or you have to live in poverty to be a real homesteader or, or whatnot. I wonder if you'll talk to that just a little bit. Yeah, that one is tricky. And there is such that mm -hmm. I remember, I think the first time I ever interacted with you, you were sticking up for me on some old YouTube video where someone, Probably. yeah. And I, I like was like, to do that. <laughs> oh my gosh, she is such a cool person that she's, <laughs> she's sticking up for me when this mob <laughs> is coming after me. Cause we had, I think, oh, it wasn't just Justin Rhodes came to our homestead and he was taking videos of our life and people were upset that we have, we have a nice shop. We saved up our money. We built it mostly ourselves. And people were really offended that we have a, a nice shop and you, you stuck up for me. And I, I, it was kind of one of the first times I started to see that, that poverty mindset within the homesteading world come into place. And yeah, so many thoughts on that. I was definitely raised within that mindset. I had a lot of beliefs around money, that money was bad, that people who had money were inherently bad, that they had got it, of course, by dishonest means, because no one had money through honest means. Like that was the story I told myself. Mm -hmm. And when my husband and I first were married and we bought this homestead, the reason we bought such a horrible fixer upper is because it's all we could afford at the time. And right. so we, my husband had a good job then and I was working part-time, but it wasn't a, an awesome salary. It was just a nice, right. stable salary. And so, you know, we had our mortgage and I, rem I know what it's like to clip coupons. I know what it's like to only buy things used to go to garage sales and Goodwill. We didn't eat out. We didn't go to movies. We didn't do inter entertainment like everyone did. We we drove old cars. We were a Dave Ramsey all the way, um, you know, trying to stay out of debt, living below our, our means. I had a, like a $2,000 Ford Taurus with a dent in the side that I drove for years and years. <laughs> and so I've been there. I, mm -hmm. I know what that's like. But then something happened as, as I started to, as we started to homestead and we started to grow, you know, I, I believe humans are meant to 
progress. We're, we're meant to mature and expand and continue to get better in, in things. And so as I was putting time and intention towards online business, I started to get better at it just with lots of reps. Like I was really bad at it at first. And then I just put in a ton of reps and a ton of time and I started to grow. I think anyone would want to grow, right? I think that's everyone's goal is to, to get better. And when you get better at online business or entrepreneurship and you add more value to the world, more money starts to flow to you. Again, it takes time. It takes repetition, but that's just the side effect. And again, I'm always like people, I think that's what everybody wants. And that's what started to happen. And so where we were living very frugally, we still live frugally, honestly, but we had more padding. We could buy more fence posts at one time. We could afford to pour the concrete for the house addition. We could do, do more things. And our homestead started to grow faster. And it was this weird, it was really hard for me to wrap my mind around it. And I honestly would sometimes self-sabotage myself because the growth of our business and the growth of our salary made me uncomfortable. It made me feel like, because I had to combat all those beliefs that I had carried from childhood, that money was bad. People who made money were bad. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't deserve it, whatever. So I've come through a lot of that. I'm kind of, this is a long rambly answer, but I don't know when I, when I see people attacking those in the homestead world who are able to buy a nicer homestead or have a stock trailer or have a truck to pull the stock trailer, I'm kind of like, but isn't that the goal not to become wealthy, but isn't it the goal to get better and to expand? And maybe that means Mm -hmm. someday you get a nice truck. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it means that someday you have nicer fence lines. Maybe it doesn't. But if that's the path that we're all working towards, like, I don't know why we attack those who are a little bit further down that path. So that's my thoughts on that. It gets, it gets tricky, but yeah, there's a lot of that mindset in the homestead world. And I wish it wasn't like that. Yeah. I, we're the same way. So, you know, we bought our house, uh, not this house we're in now, but our first house when we got married, that was, you know, 15 years ago that we bought it. And it was on a half acre, small, tiny little house, like 896 square foot. And we homesteaded on that half acre and we did whatever we could do. Yeah. And we did that for 14 years until we could afford this property. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. The people that are in the spotlight are often, they weren't where they are now, 14 years ago or 10 years ago or even five years ago. And so it's really easy for people coming into this community to believe, oh, well, you have money. That's why you have all this. Okay, no, it wasn't always like that. Like you said, you you bought a small house, you put in the work. And I think it's funny how we, we have this homestead community and the thought of hard work got you to where you are is mind boggling. It's like, no, that's not true. Because I think a lot of us, ha- right. we grew up in that mindset. I did too. I grew up in that mindset. And it's very prevalent in like Christian communities that money is bad. Is. Um, people who, like you said, people who make money are bad. If you're wealthy, then you must be cheating somebody out of something. And don't get me wrong. There are people like that. Sure. But it's sure. not everyone. And it's like having to unlearn these mindsets it's super freeing and it causes you to just be better. It causes you to be a better steward of your money. It causes you to be more frugal and make more frugal choices. And if you're, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? Like, why are you in the same spot you were in 15 years ago? It doesn't make any sense. And so I love that you gave the perfect answer because that's how I feel too. And I think a lot more people in the homesteading community need to realize that like, if you are choosing homesteading to live more frugally, then shouldn't you be also making more money? You know, shouldn't there be more money in your bank account to save up for more fence posts, to save up for a truck? You know, my husband, he loves to tinker on trucks and cars and old junk. And I'm just like, why? And so up until, let's see, we've been married 17 years this year. This is the first year 
in our entire marriage and in my entire life that we've ever bought a brand new vehicle and yes. like ever, yes. <laughs> I mean, yep. and yep. so it's yep. like, because we have no debt, you know, that's like our only debt. And so it's funny because people will see you driving around in a new car or this new thing. Yeah. And it's like, but it's the only thing I have. Like, I don't have anything else. Yes. And so I, I just want to encourage you guys that are listening, like, don't, don't judge a lot of these big named homesteaders because they've been doing it for forever and they've made that yeah. choice to put in the hard work and steward their money well. And you can do it too. Like anyone can do it. And we, I'm sure you have this all the time. Like you coach people in business and that's one of the hardest things for people to jump over is you yes. have to put in hard work. It's just like homesteading. You have to put in the hard work to grow a business as well, especially if it's homesteading minded. Amen. And I, I think that that's the, the second part of that is do, you know, Dave Ramsey says you live like no one else now, so you can live like no one else later. And I think you and I are starting to get to that point where we're living like no one else later. And what, and what it takes, right. like you said, is that doing what no one else is willing to do. And that's not a popular thing to say in today's day and age. No. Like the, people mm -hmm. do not like that. They're like, it's just privilege. And I'm like, are there parts of my life that were privileged? Sure. But I wasn't born into money. Right. I was raised in a trailer park neighborhood. Like I, I don't come from inheritance and privilege and wealth. Right. Sure. There's things that we all have. We all start at different places in the world. That is undeniable. That's just life. We cannot all start off on the exact same footing, but you have to be willing to, to do things that people aren't willing to do. And all these years leading up to where you see us now and people look at us, we have greenhouses and shops and arenas and they're like, oh my gosh, I right. could never do that. I'm like, but we had 13, 15, 16 years of grind where the neighbors would be driving by every weekend, mm -hmm. going to the lake with their camper. We would be out there putting in post holes yep. by hand. <laughs> you know, uh, people are, you know, watching yeah. Netflix every night. I would be reading business books. You know, people are going to concerts. I'm yep. sitting at home listening to podcasts on how to market digital products. So like I'm doing yep. things. If you, if you success leaves clues and I'm doing things and people like you and I, you can watch, watch us, watch what we're doing when no one's watching. Cause that's giving you a clue of how mm -hmm. we got to where we are today. And I think so many people miss that. And they just, again, they just, like you said, they look at the, the, the beginning and the end and they see that end and they're like, well, obviously it was handed to you. And I'm like, no, you didn't see the 15 years it took to get here. Right. Yeah. Oh no. Right. You know, the tiredness, the, the three yeah. hours of sleep you get, the, the hard work and sweat you put in. I mean, we were getting ready to put up a high tunnel and we found it on Facebook yeah. for 3000 bucks, you know, so we, we still shop frugally, but you know, when I, when I post that on Instagram, people are going to be like, Oh, must be nice well, that, you know, to oh, have a greenhouse. Must be nice. <laughs> you want to see Jill go from zero to 60 in like no time at all. Say, say must be nice. I'm like, I'll tell you what's nice. Must be nice. <laughs> 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 oh yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's really great when you have to get it from your family oh, too, yeah. like your friends and family. And yes. it's like, y'all know what we've been yeah. through. So family, yeah, can be I the love hardest. unpackaging family can be really hard. It can be because a lot of those people are still stuck in that mindset, you know, cause it's something they were taught. It's something they yes. taught you. And so I, we just, we decided to be that, that chain breaker in our family. Like, no, yes. this is not who we are. This is not the truth. And that's about, that's like homesteading, right? Like Big ag is not the truth. You know, big farm is not the truth. And so we decide to break those chains and start homesteading. And I think we could do a little bit more breaking of the, that poverty mindset in the homestead totally world to, to get where we are. 
Hey, thanks for listening. We're going to take a quick break to introduce you to one of our sponsors that has been with HOA for a few years, and that's Premier One Supplies. At Premier One, they've been providing electric fencing and electric netting, sheep and goat supplies, clippers and shears, ear tags, poultry products, and expert advice for over 40 years. Whether it's electric netting for your chickens or cattle or horses or poultry, or clippers and shears and even poultry supplies such as fencing, feeders, waterers, egg handling supplies, hatchery items. They have it all. They are a one-stop shop for all things homesteading, just like many of our sponsors. Check out Premier One Supplies at premieronesupplies.com and don't forget to check them out at the HOA event this year. Okay. Well, now that we've stepped on some toes, let's change it a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) If you're still with us, thank you. (laughs) Let's talk about your homestead because you, you and I had a conversation, I guess it was probably last year where the both of us were kind of feeling like we're pulling back a little more from social media and maybe Mm -hmm. putting more time into business or into just living, you know, just living life that we say that we live. And so what has that looked like for you over the last year since we last saw each other? Yeah. Oh man. I have had, I think the last couple of years is really, I've had to really rethink my relationship to business and social media, you know, you go through those growth periods on your homestead and in business. I actually had Austin from Homesteady here last week, and we were talking about this very thing. They're going through a period of scaling back on their homestead where they just got so big and like mm-hmm. all these different avenues and all these other things. And he's like, it's not, it's too much. We, we don't, we're not yeah. living simply anymore. And I thought that was such a, an incredible thing and a, such an honest thing to hear him say. But yeah. I, I realized that in my business as well, I had been hustle, hustle, build, build, grow, grow. That's great. There's seasons for that. And then I realized I needed to go under a season of pruning, just like Mm -hmm. with a tree or a plant in your garden. Out of control growth isn't always good. We have to keep it focused. And so I've been doing that a lot over the last, especially the last year, the last couple of years. I used to think the more was better in my online business. And I've ratcheted way back. I stopped doing YouTube. A lot of people ask me when I'm coming back to YouTube and I'm probably never, honestly. I know. I was I like still a thorn my, in my side. It's YouTube is a major <laughs> thorn in my side. And yeah. I, I had to get honest with myself. I'm like, okay, Jill, you can't write blog posts, write emails, do YouTube, do podcasts and social media. Like what, what's, what do you love? What do you feel most called towards? Mm-hmm. And YouTube didn't make the cut um, for, for many reasons. I know there's a lot of people who love it. That's fine. But it wasn't for me. And I had to give that up. And that was hard because I felt like there was that expectation. Like, oh, if you're a homestead right. platform, you obviously have a YouTube channel. And I'm like, but I'm going to blaze the trail in the unconventional path and say Mm -hmm. no. Always. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I took a major break off of social media. I just went dark basically last year. I was finishing writing my book, but also I was just like, I don't, I don't understand why I'm doing this right now. I just feel like I'm checking off boxes Mm -hmm. and um, going through the motions and doing what I'm just creating content that I'm supposed to create. And I started to fall out of love with it. Um, and I, I mean, I love my businesses. I've always been so passionate about it. And when I started to lose that spark, it, it quite honestly scared me. And I'm like, is mm-hmm. this the end? Is this like where the prairie right. homestead <laughs> dies? I don't know. And so I had to just get quiet and sit with that and explore, okay, do I shut down the blog? How does that, try that idea on for size? Do I stop the podcast? Do I stop social media? And so I, I thought through that, ultimately decided I don't, I don't want to give it up. I love my audience. I love creating, but it had to be within different boundaries. And so, yeah, I stopped posting on Instagram. My, my assistant would post on Facebook, but she just would like repost old articles I kept the podcast going because that's something I really love having good conversations, but I stopped emailing. So I I just went dark for a little bit Mm -hmm. and just reevaluated what, 
what was the uh, my zone of genius and how I could just lean into that. And so I also kind of re rethought my content in general. Uh, again, I think it's just even in homesteading, like we talked about it a minute ago, we right. can fall back into ruts. We can fall back into doing the shoulds and the right. um, obligations and just like checking off boxes. And I don't want to live my life like that, even within a platform that I love. So I think self-reflection is something that's really important to me, especially over the last little bit. Yeah. We do that with our homesteads too, right? Like what's not working or yeah. where is it not working? And, um, what can we add? What can we take away from? Like you were talking about home study. They have all of these things that they're doing. They have a lot going on. And so yes. we all do, you know, it's even homesteaders who don't have a platform have a lot going. Some of them have way more going on than I do, you know, personally, but you have to do that. You have to self-reflect and you have to take time to rest. You know, there's a lot of homesteaders that yes. do, you know, one year sabbaticals, just letting their land rest. And that's awesome too. Just giving yourself a break and taking that year to do nothing. Right. That's a goal that we're working towards. You know, I think I mentioned this in a podcast recently where we're working towards growing like three years worth of food over a three-year time period. And then on that that fourth year, like resting a year and then coming yeah. back the following year and just working ahead so that you can take that time off because you need it. Your body needs it. Your brain needs it. Uh, your Everything. Your kids need it. Your, your spouse need it. And so I think it's really awesome that you can set that example as an influencer, but also as a homesteader and a mom and a wife. It's pretty amazing because people you don't ever hear that, right? You don't ever hear somebody say, I'm taking a break. And normally mm -hmm. when they say I'm taking a break, they're not coming back, yes, <laughs> but right. um, it's okay to take breaks and get everything under control and, and pursue uh, something different because that's, again, that's how you grow, right? There it's yes. always changing. Things are always moving. So you and I often talk about, I don't feel like I see a lot of other people talking about this, but you and I have talked about on our social media quite a lot about stuff that's in your book that's coming out. So, uh, we're talking, you talk a little bit about the industrial revolution and how the family unit in general in America kind of got off course. And so why we're here in home study. And so I wonder if you'll talk about this just a little bit. For those of you watching on YouTube, it's called Old Fashioned On Purpose, Cultivating a Slower and More Joyful Life. There's the cover. It's so pretty, by the way. But Yay. all right, tell us a little bit more about this book and what yeah. people can expect when they get it. Yeah. So when I set out to write it, I, I didn't want it to be just the typical homestead book. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I felt like I wanted to take it a little bit deeper and really get to the why behind homesteading. Uh, also, you know, it, it has troubled me over the years. Like I know what homesteading has done in my life and I see it, what it's done in other people's life. It's really important in our modern culture. I'm not going to say it's the only solution, but it's a really big part of the solution. And I also know, you know, as I'm looking at these mm -hmm. principles and how, how crucial they are to us in our human development, that not everyone can buy a homestead or buy a milk cow or move to Wyoming or move to the country. So right. I, I'm also very cognizant of that. So I was sitting with that tension for a while and thinking, okay, every human needs these ideas. They don't have to all buy a milk cow, but every human needs to have a piece of this. But how can we bring it and distill it down so it's accessible to even someone in New York City or someone in the suburbs. Because I'm like, these principles are too important mm -hmm. to only be available to those of us who live in the country or have the, you know, a nice little farmhouse or chickens or whatever. And so that was kind of the impetus for the book. And man, I got super deep into the science of the principles that we love and follow as homesteaders and the history and kind of, I wanted to ask the question, like, how did we get here to our modern yeah. world where we're so off kilter? We don't know. Everyone can admit, I don't care what side of the political aisle you're on. Things are not, they don't feel right. Like everything right. just feels a little off. Yeah. Um, 
And I, I'm like, why do we, why do we feel like that in an era of more convenience and more ease and our mm-hmm. lives are better than they've ever been. We don't have the death rates and the diseases and the, the hardships that we did. So why are we more miserable than ever? And so I just started to really ask those questions and dig into it. And it was quite the ride, quite the journey and getting into the hows of, you know, growing your own food and cooking from scratch and working with your hands, building community and kind of how historically and scientifically those have been proven to have a really big impact on human development and happiness. So um, there's practical pieces in the book, but I I really wanted to go deeper beyond that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's much needed in, in our community, as you know, which obviously that's why you wrote the book. You know, it's, it's pretty incredible because so many people like you, you just nailed it. It doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. There's a most, I would say most homesteaders. I mean, there's some groups, right? But most homesteaders have that mindset, like no one's going to save us. No political party is going to save us. Nobody's a good fit. I'm going to write in like my own name <laughs> during the presidential yeah. election. Yes. You know, it's it's like this aha moment where people are finally waking up and saying the whole thing is a sham. Like this whole thing is just out of control yes. and there has to be this way of living has got to grow. It just has to because this is where ingenuity and genuineness come from. And you know, the the backbone of America was back in the day, small farms, family farms, and small business. It wasn't big controlled environments. And so one of the things that we talk about at HOA or on the blog or in books and with people on the podcast is like, it's almost like creating a new system beside a broken system. And how do we do that? And And like you said, how did we get here? And so I'm excited. I've only just started reading this book because I just got it like last week. And so I'm really excited to read this. And you guys will link it in the show notes below and on the blog post and all that stuff. So you can order it and take a look at it and learn more about it, which is pretty cool. All right, Jill, I've kept you for 30 minutes already. I wonder, (laughs) I know you're busy, right? I wonder if there's anything, you know, that's like, burning in you to just share with the HOA audience, uh, whether it's about homesteading or business or life in general, what is something that you wish everyone could just know that you could speak into them? Yeah. I mean, I think this is just pulling from a life lesson that I've really been reminded of recently. Don't shy away from from the hard. Whether you're homesteading right now and you're dealing with harvest or, you know, there's stress on your on your homestead or you're working towards buying the homestead or moving to the homestead, or you're just trying to convert your suburban backyard into something that you're proud of. Lean into the hard moments. Don't let it scare you away. And I I think a lot of homesteaders know that, but even myself, I need to be reminded of that sometimes. We, uh, we just completed, not completed. I would say we came to a really cool point in a really big project we've been working on. And it was the hardest project we've ever participated in, in our entire lives. And that says a lot because Christian and I, my husband, we've done some pretty crazy things. And this was a project that we, we all cried. We've all wanted to give up. We all like thought it was maybe a lost cause. And then it, we got to this, this mountaintop experience and it was the most incredible feeling. And I was just reminded like, you know, for the last year's worth of hardship around that project, it all was worth it in that moment of perseverance and resilience. And it just was like, this was such a great reminder. And I just want people to know that like, if you're doing, if you're going through a hard time on your property or, or in your projects or in your, in your business or whatever, don't let that scare you off because there's so much good that comes right on the other side of that. So keep that pioneer spirit and just keep on trucking, I think is my message for today. 
Yeah. You know, one of the the final things I'll talk about is, you know, you do have a lot of projects going on and ultimately homesteading is wonderful, but eventually your homesteading lifestyle has to influence your outer community. And that's what you're doing. Do you want to talk just a minute about what you guys are doing? Like you have the soda fountain, you have the school, you have all these things you're working on and how your lifestyle is now branching out as it should and just completely involving your whole community now. Yeah. It's been such a big revelation for me. We started off and I don't think it's wrong, but like, you know, most homesteaders, we started off very focused on our little nuclear homestead. And that's what needed to happen at the beginning because we had so much to do here and it was new and it was exciting and we were learning all the things. And so all of our lessons revolved around our own personal property. And, you know, you know, now like 15 years in, we're, we're sitting back and going, well, okay, the homestead's not done, but it's pretty established. And we have our routines and our processes. And we, Christian and I, a couple of years ago started to go, you know, we live this life that we love, that we've created just the way we want it to be. But we're not really having an impact on those around us. Like we have this wonderful little island of specialness and we didn't feel right keeping Mm -hmm. that to ourselves. And we also have developed, thanks to homesteading and entrepreneurship, a set of pretty specific skills. We've spent a lot of time and money creating those skills within ourselves. And we're like, I think it's time. We felt really called to like share those with just our, our little community around us. And so... As people know, if they follow me, we we started to figure out ways to invest back into our community, whether that was with projects or just our time and our energy. And that has been so rewarding. Also, extremely hard, <laughs> like extremely hard because, oh, yeah. you know, sometimes you go into these small communities or big communities and there's the problems are there for a reason because either no one wanted to tackle them or nobody could figure out how to tackle them. So when you come in mm-hmm. and you're going to solve that problem, like it's, it's not going to be easy. And People are messy. I'd much rather deal with a grumpy milk cow than, you know, the town council member who's just difficult, Mm -hmm. you know, so there's lots of messiness and, and stuff there, but investing in our soda fountain and being more involved in just civics in our little town. We did the charter school was the product I was referring to a minute ago. That's a whole story. We, we are, we've always been homeschoolers, but we felt really called that we were needed to help start this project-based charter school in this little town of ours. So I'm so, I'm so glad we took that leap. And a lot of people, not a lot, but we had a few go, why are you doing soda fountains in schools? That is not about homesteading. I'm like, oh honey, it's everything about homesteading because Mm -hmm. homesteaders, even the old ones from 150 years ago, they didn't exist in a bubble. They were extremely Mm -hmm. community minded. Like that's what it was all about. Even if their homesteads were far away from each other, they put massive effort into getting together for dances and church and schools and, and parties. And so I think you know, build your homes to do what you need to do to get yourself stable. But I think the next logical step as we mature and grow, like you said, if we're not growing, we're dying. Mm -hmm. The next logical step as we grow is to figure out how we can take all these wonderful things we're learning and growing on our homestead and bring it out to the the world around us. So it's been exciting and hard and messy, but I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, amazing how much people are against schools because we, we started a a school in our church. This will be our third year. So we start actually next week and it'll be our third year. And so my husband and I took that on and a couple other people in church and even church people were so against it. And it was like, why this is like a no brainer that we're, we're getting kids into a more homestead minded church minded 
safe space and suddenly you're against that. And so any good thing that you're going to do when you broaden into your community is always going to have opposition. It's going to be people you least expect the opposition from. It's going to be, you know, like you said, town councils and government, you know, sources that are going to be against you too. And so that's next level, right? Like we homestead, we're great there. But then if we're going to create a better system, if we're going to create a better America, at some point you have to level up, right? You have to influence the community Mm -hmm. around you. If you want your community to feel safe, you're going to, you're going to have to be the one that influences that community around you because everybody else is just waiting for somebody else to do it. So, yeah. And that's just an important point, I think in the homestead world. And I've said this and felt it in the past too, like self-sufficiency, we get so Mm -hmm. hyper-focused on that term and that's fine. Like I understand that. And it's easy to feel like, especially in our current climate, that the world's against you and we have to just like tuck in and protect ourselves and our family. And I I understand that. But like you said, like we cannot affect change if we're only hermiting out, you know, just on our little property all the time. Like, yeah, get your house in order. Absolutely. And then figure out how you can can help those around you because we're not going to do much if we're just making sure that we're, Mm -hmm. you know, us four no more, we're good and ignore the rest. Yep. Yep. I agree. That's a, I mean, that's a pretty good word y'all. So listen to that and start, you know, focusing on your home, but also in your community and gosh, we've talked about a lot in 35 minutes. We just crammed it in there. (laughs) And some pretty like semi-spicy topics too. So yeah, I like it. I like spicy topics. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) Uh, All right, Jill. Well, thank you for joining me this week for the Homesteaders of America podcast. I really appreciate it. I always love talking to you, whether it's here or in person. It's just wonderful. You guys check out Jill online. Again, all that information is in the show notes below. Grab her book. I know I can't wait to read it. So you guys read it along. If you've read it, comment in the notes or in the section below. Um, And we will see you next time. And don't forget, happy homesteading. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's Homesteaders of America episode. We really enjoyed having you here. We welcome questions and you can find the transcript and all the show notes below or on our Homesteaders of America blog post that we have up for this podcast episode. Don't forget to join us online with a membership or just to read blog posts and find out more information about our events at homesteadersofamerica.com. We also have a YouTube channel and follow us on all of our social media accounts to find out more about homesteading during this time in American history. All right, have a great day and happy homesteading.